You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ormah Pitcham Shitzrah 2722. This week's Parsha, if you're in Chutzlar, it's his Parsha's Bamidbar, in Eretz Yisrael, it's Parsha's Nasai, and for everyone, this coming Sunday is going to be Motsi Shabbos, is going to be Shavuos, the holiday of Kabbalah's Hatayra, and I'd like to share with you something which I was really excited about, and I am really excited about, because the end of Parshas Bamidbar and the beginning of Parshas Naso is one topic, and it's hard to understand exactly why when the Chachamim set up our Parshas, they split the topic in the middle. We're going to discuss it, we're going to try to understand it. But anyway, the, any way that you look at it, uh, it's really nice because it, it connects in to the concept of Torah and Kabbalah Satorah. So it's exciting that we have these two Parshas together joined around the topic of Kabbalah Satorah, of Torah itself, which is the, the idea of Shavuos, receiving the Torah. So to begin with, I'd actually like to start with talking about Shavuos, asking a question, which the altar of Navardic asks, and we'll learn together some Adrashim, one at the end of Parshas Bamidbar, one at the beginning of Parshas Naso, and we'll see something amazing, and we'll bring it back to the, to the word of the altar of Navardic. The altar of Navardic poses the following question based on the Gemara. It's the Gemara and Shabbos on Dav Peches, if I'm not mistaken, page 88. The Gemara says that there were two times in history that the Jewish people received the Torah. Of course, the most famous time is when the Jewish people received the Torah at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai. Kiblu, uh, I'm sorry, uh, they said, Nasev and Ishma. They said, we will do and we will hear. They had a Kabbalah Satorah, they received the Torah. And there was a second time, says the Gemara, that the Jewish people received the Torah. They accepted upon themselves the Torah. The second time was Kimu Kiblu, when the Jewish people had the miracle of Purim performed for them, when God saved the Jewish people miraculously. They were able to overcome their enemies instead of themselves being hurt. So, they also received Kimu Kiblu. The Gemara understands that when it says that they established, they they were Makayim, they ratified, and they received upon themselves. What did they receive upon themselves? So in the Pasha Pshat, so Kim is talking about that they accepted upon themselves the mitzvahs of Purim, to read the Megillah, to Matan Slavyanim, etc. But the Gemara understands that Kimu Kiblu also means that they renewed their commitment to Torah. They accepted upon themselves once again the Torah. Now what was the difference between these two Kabbalists of Torah? So the Gemara says a very interesting thing, a foundational thing, and that is that the Jewish people at Har Sinai, it's Puzzik says that the Jewish people encamped Betachti Sahar at the foot, foot, at the base of the mountain. Now the word Tachtis can also mean underneath. It can mean underneath. So Gemara says that in fact, HaKadosh Baruch Hu raised up the mountain above their heads and Hashem said to them, if you do not accept the Torah, Shamte Kvurashem, this, this place or there shall be your grave. So Hashem, as it were, hung that mountain over the Jewish people's head and He said to them, accept the Torah or else. Okay, so, Mikan Moido Rabba this is a great 
statement against the Jewish people can now say, look, we were forced to keep the Torah. Right? We were forced to keep the Torah. We were forced to accept the Torah. We didn't have a choice. God said, if you don't, if you don't keep the Torah, if you don't accept the Torah, we're, we're going to drop the, we're going to drop the mountain on your head. But when did they indeed receive completely the Torah and accept it upon themselves willingly without being forced? It was in the time of Purim. That's what the Gemara says. They accepted upon themselves the Torah at the time of Purim. So the Alta Navardic, he brings this Gemara and he says, it's very difficult to understand. We understand, we, we know that when the Jewish people received the Torah, they said, Nasev and Ishma. They said, we will do, and we, whatever you say, God, we're ready to do it. That was the generation that needed to be forced to accept the Torah. The Jewish people in the times of Achashverosh, in the times of Mordechai and Esther, they accepted the Torah. That was an amazing receiving of the Torah. It's very hard to even understand how they received the Torah. The Jewish people at the time were involved in, in being enemies. They, they benefited from the meal, the great festivities of Achashverosh. She was celebrating the downfall of the Jewish people. It had been 70 years since the Jewish people were exiled. The prophecy was not fulfilled based on his calculation. And therefore he brought out the, the clothes of the Kohen Gadol. As the Gemara says, the Jewish people, what are they doing at this party? What are they doing at this party? And they're involved in... They, they, they'd lost their connection. They were so far. And they were the generation. Kimu Kiblu that accepted the Torah. It's very hard to understand what is the concept. What is the Gemara saying? What, what's the understanding? How do, we, how, do we, how do we reconcile these two generations which seem to be polar opposites? The Dordea, the generation of the wilderness. They had incredible revelation. They needed to be forced. And the Jewish people later on, they, they accepted it out of love, out of, you know, without being forced. What's the idea? What's the depth of that? So hold on to that question. Before we answer that question, I would like to turn to the Medrash. There's two parts of the Medrash. And actually, just as a preface to what we're going to read in the Medrash, it's very interesting. At the end of Parshas Bamidbar, the Torah tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu is asked to Nisoyas Reish B'nei HaKahasi count the heads of the sons of Kahas. Now, Kahas, we had three sons of Levi, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was a, was a grandson of Levi, great-grandson of Levi, really both. So, Kahas was his father's father, was his grandfather, Amram ben Kahas. So, Kahas, the three sons of Levi, Gershon, Kahas, and Merari, these different families had different purposes within the, the Avodah Samishkan, in the service within the Mishkan, the tabernacle. Now, the first ones that we enumerate are the family of Kahas, which, of course, needs understanding because Gershon, Kahas, and Merari is how we count them. Gershon was the oldest, Kahas was second, Merari was third, but still, Kahas is first in the counting, when it comes to the counting. Now, we understand, in a certain sense, there was a Hashivus, there was a significance to the tribe of Kahas, or, or we should call it the family of Kahas within the tribe of Levi. What was that significance? It was that Moshe Rabbeinu, Aaron Akain, Miriam, the great leaders of the Jewish people, the, the Mashiachs of their time, they came from Kahas. So that's a natural advantage that they had. But still we need to understand exactly what was special about Kahas, about this family. Why were they counted first? Why are they counted out of order? Also, we need to understand why are they separated? 
Why is it at the end of Parshas Bamid, but we only mention count the Bnei Kaas? We stop. That's in last week's Parsha, or for, for in Chutzarts, it's in this week's Parsha. And then the following week, we read about Nisoyas Reish Bnei Gershon. Nisoyas Reish Bnei Merari. Count the, the family of Gershon and count the family of Merari. Why is, why did it, why are they separated? What is the teaching in this? We're in the middle of a discussion of counting the, the people of Levi, and we say, and we stop in the middle of the, of the, of the topic. It's not. It's very out of the ordinary for for the Chachamim to have split the parshas in such a way, right in the middle of a topic. What's the understanding? What's the idea behind it? So the first hint is in the Medrash in Parshas Naso, and then we're going to go back to the Medrash in Parshas Bamidbar, and then we will return to the question of the altar of Navardic. and we'll have a deep understanding, something important that we can all take home with us. We can all take home especially coming to Shavuos, it's so important. So, here's what the Medrash says. Nisayas Reish B'nai Gershon. So, first of all, the Medrash says, I'm not going to read this part inside, but the Medrash talks about the fact that we need to understand what this has to do with anything, and we will understand very shortly. But it says that a Talmud Chacham, a person who is a Chacham, someone who has studied the wisdom of the Torah, and he's become a, 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 a great person. He's become well-versed in the Torah, he knows the he knows the Gemara. He knows he knows Tanakh. He knows everything. He knows the secrets of the Torah. He knows everything. Chacham is kaidel melech Yisrael. When it comes to who do we give precedence to? Let's say there are two people in front of us who need to be buried, and they need to be we need to be maspid them. We need to eulogize them. Who do we do first? A Chacham, a tremendous great Torah scholar, or the king of the Jewish people? Says them says the Medrash. And it goes through a whole order of importance. But it basically says that the Chacham is the most important. The Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar, even if he has dubious lineage, even if he's a lowly person, even a, a Mamzer Talmud Chacham, Kaidim Lekayin Gadol, Amaretz, a person who's a Mamzer, an illegitimate child, but he made himself, he made something of himself, he became a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar. He comes before a Kohen Gadol, a priest, who's an ignoramus. So even though a Kohen Gadol has ichus, he has all of the qualities of greatness, but he's not a Torah scholar. He's not as great. It's a Torah scholar who's great. Now, we'll see in a moment, what does that have to do with Parshas Naso? What does it have to do with Parshas Bamidbar? What does it have to do with the discussion of the families of the, Lev- the Levites? So listen to this. This is really quite amazing. Dabar Achri Mipninim. The Medrash asks, hold on a second. We spoke in last week's Parsha, in Parsha's Bamidbar, or for you in Chutzlarts, this week's Parsha, we speak in Parsha's Bamidbar about the family of Kaos. Then we speak about Gershon. Why is, why is Kaos first? Why is Gershon second? Even though Gershon usually... Gershon is the Bechor, he's the firstborn. Usually the Torah gives honor honor and precedence to the firstborn. So what's the idea? Because the reason is, and here's the bottom line, the importance of Kahas, what was so special about them, not just the fact that Moshe and Aaron and Miriam were from that family. Maybe we could even say that it was a result of the fact that Kahas had something 
special, intrinsic to them, which was expressed and manifest in what their service was in the Mishkan. What did they do? What was their job in the Mishkan? Each of the families had a different part of the Mishkan that they would carry as the Jews wandered through the wilderness. It was the job of the family of Kahas to carry the Aron. The Aron. The Aron Abris. Shashama Teira. Which is where the Teira was placed. Right, The Torah that Moshe received from Harsina, from Mount Sinai, was placed inside of the Aron, the Ark of the Covenant. So therefore, and that's why Kahas is counted first. First count the children of Kahas and then count the children of Gershon. Says the Majesty, that's what the Pasuk means. There's a Pasuk, I believe it's in uh, Mishlei, yes, the third chapter, verse 15. More precious is the Torah than pearls. What is the word Peninim? The word Peninim can also be understood as the word Lifnim, like something from before, which is an older brother. The Torah is more precious than the firstborn. Oh, he says it. The concept of Peninim means the Torah. I'm sorry, the Tchila is the first thing, right? The Torah is more chashuv, more important than Yichus. The fact that a person is born first, it gives him a certain chashivus, gives him a certain significance, gives him a certain spiritual power. Firstborn, originally before the Cheda Egel, the firstborns were the one who were chosen to serve God. So there's a certain intrinsic power. But someone who carries the Torah, someone who carries the Aron, who carries the Ark of the Covenant, so there's a, in a certain way they're higher. They're, on a, they're more special. They need to be counted first. But the question is, as we discussed, my son and I, when we learned this, the question is, why did Kahas get to carry the Aron? I'm saying, let it be the job of Gershon. He's the he's the Bukhar. What was it about Kahas? So let's see. So now we come back to the Medrash in in uh, Parshas Bamidbar. Because the Medrash there speaks about what was significant and special about Kahas. First of all, the Medrash lays down that the entire Sheva Levi, the entire tribe of Levi, was the cream of the crop of the Jewish people. That's first of all. What was special about them? That they were the ones who were carrying the parts of the Mishkan. They were the ones who were chosen for service. Right? Each of the tribes had a different... Each, I'm sorry, each of the families had a different part of the service that they carried. The Bnei Merari had a certain thing that they carried. The Bnei Gershon had a certain thing that they carried. And as we said, the Bnei Kahas carried the, the, they carried the Ark of the Covenant. So... What was special about the family of Kahas? Why did they have this special honor? And the answer is that there was something about them that was different. And here's what the measure says. Okay, let me find it. Says, oh, oh, I'm sorry. There's something here. Each of the different families, okay, each of the different families of the Levim would carry the different parts of the Mishkan, as we said. But they were able to place those parts of the Mishkan 
onto wagons so they wouldn't have to actually physically carry those things as, as they traveled through the Midbar, through the wilderness. Or the family of Kaaz, they carried the Oren on their shoulders. Right? And let's remember, we're talking about a golden box. Heavy, gold is one of the heaviest items on earth, one of the heaviest metals. They had to physically carry it, okay? So, so number one is, you got to do things that are hard. The children of Kahas were willing and ready to do things that were difficult, to carry a heavy burden. The Torah is not necessarily easy. There are parts of the Torah that are geschmack, enjoyable, fun. You know, the Torah is noise is noise. right? The Aaron is noise is noise. The Aaron really carries those who carry it. The Torah is a yoke. It's a challenge. It's a difficulty. It requires commitment. So the first thing that we see was that the B'nai Kahas were ready to shoulder the challenge. There was another thing that they were even more powerful, even more special than all of the other Levites. When all of the other ones would be walking, so they would be walking on, you know, they'd be able to face forward and see where they're going. But the B'nai Kahas, when they carry the Aaron, so they would walk backwards. They didn't want to turn their backs to the Aaron. They wanted to give proper honor to the Aaron. So, because of that, they would walk backwards. Okay? So, point number two. They were willing to, so to speak, bend over backwards to do things that not only are heavy and burdensome, but to do things that are, uh, you know, uncomfortable. We don't like to not see where we're going. I don't know about you, but if I'm driving behind a big truck, I don't like to be behind the truck. I like to see what's going on in front of me. Right? They had no problem with that. They were willing to, to be uncomfortable. Point number three. Says a an amazing thing. Even though the family of Kahas was greater than the other fam the other families of Levi, Yisrael, and they were greater on a higher spiritual level than the rest of the Jewish people. Nevertheless, they didn't allow themselves to become haughty. The reason that they had they were ready to carry the burden, number one. They were ready to do things that were uncomfortable, number two. And number three, they were extremely humble. They had, a, they had that character of being humble and willing and not thinking of themselves as being, wow, I'm so amazing, I'm so great. What comes out is that we find that even though the family of Kahas were, were princely, they were on. They they were exalted. They were on a very high level. When they would carry the aron, they would carry it like they were slaves. They, God says, Torah's life. Okay, finishes off and says that there's a special Indian, there's a special idea that God wants the life. Other than they want them, he wants them to live. He wants them to have good life or long life. What do we see here? We see here an amazing thing. That it's not about 
It's not about who's older. It's not about who has the natural chashivus, the natural greatness per se. It's about the choices that we make. It's about the choices to be humble, the choice to carry a, a heavy burden, the choice to to be uncomfortable and to and to be willing to be that person who carries the Torah. It's not an easy thing. But what we see here is, is something that we can choose. Right? It's not it's not by birth. It's not because they were born first. It's because they chose to be great people. Now I want to bring it back to the question that we asked. What was the difference between Harsinai, the way that the Jewish people, the Alter Navardic asks, the way that the Jewish people received the Torah at Harsinai? Why, why was it called that? It was Kafalim HaKagikis, that God, as it were, forced them to keep the Torah. And why is it that in the time of, of Purim, in the time of Mordechai and Esther, a thousand years later almost, why is it that then the Jewish people receive the Torah in a better way, out of choice. What's the idea, even though they were on such a low level? So the Altar of Nevadic explains, and I believe it's very much related to what we spoke about here in Parshish B'midbar Anasseh. He says an amazing thing. He says, when the Jewish people received the Torah at Harsinai, you can't compare it to what happened in the times of Purim. Because at the time of Harsinai, they understood that sin is bad on an intellectual level. They understood that we don't, we, the Torah says things, and we don't do what, what the Torah says not to do. We do whatever the Torah says to do. Nasavanishma. It was an intellectual thing. It was like, yeah, I gotta do it. Hashem says to do it. I don't want to touch the, I don't want to eat the forbidden fruit. But you see, much later on, in the times of Purim, the Jewish people had dropped to a very low level. They had tasted the forbidden fruit. And they knew that it was worthless. They had tasted this world. And they saw that this world held nothing for them. It, it didn't get them anywhere. All it got them was a death sentence from Amalek, from Haman. And Mordechai, everything that he came to do was to get the Jewish people back on track, to get them back into doing what was right, standing up for what's right, being willing. Mordechai was the one who would not bow to Haman. He would not let the Jewish people, he didn't want them to eat at the Suda of Achashverish. He, when they were already there, he dealt with it, you know. But, he was the one who stood staunchly. He was ready to carry the Torah to, interestingly, he's from Shevi bin Yamin. But he was willing to carry the Torah. He was very similar to the family of Kahas, but it was something that he, that because of him, the Jewish people were able to choose at the they chose it out of that place of recognition, of how, of experiential recognition, not just an intellectual understanding. This is what the Altar of Navari says. They did it because they realized it was no good. Why? It didn't work. It didn't work. Look at the society around us. It's not working very well. All of the choices that the societies, the society has made to go off into the farthest reaches of depravity and and I don't want to talk about that right now I want to talk about Tyra but when we take on the burden of Tyra we see that's not a life that's not a life that's worth living the kind of life of the people all around us 
It's a Torah life. That's powerful. Yes, it involves challenge. Yes, it involves difficulty. It's a heavy box. And yes, I'm going to walk backwards. I don't want to see what's going on in the world around me. Just like the, just like the Pinecas. And yes, I'm going to be uncomfortable. And yes, what was the other item? Sorry, I lost it. Yes, I need to be humble. It's not easy. What do you mean? I'm a great guy. I'm awesome. I'm in the palace of the king. I'm carrying the iron. I have the Torah. I'm the best. No. Humility. Humility. Can I be humble? It's not an easy thing. But that's what the Bnei Kahas were able to do. And that's why they were greater. And that's why they're counted first. And it's that type of attitude. It's that type of experience that we, in our lowly generation, have the ability and, and opportunity to choose, to choose Tyra. Not because it's forced on us, not because it's an intellectual, this is what's right and this is what's wrong, but because we see it's not working for the people all around us to, to throw off the burden, to let go of all of the boundaries that the Tyra sets. It's not working. The Tyra is what works. When we stand up staunchly and keep the Torah, that's what works. That's the difference between the Kabbalah Satayra, the original way that the Jewish people received the Torah, which was missing something, and the Kabbalah Satayra that came later. The Chacham comes first before the king, before every other different, before Kain Gadol. Why? Because the illegitimate child who has chosen, who has chosen, to become a Torah scholar, to become a person who's dedicated and his burden is, is Torah. He's greater than the person who's a Kayin Gadol, a high priest, who's in that role because his father was a Kayin and his father was a Kayin. The Torah is not Yerushalon. The Torah, it is Yerushalon, it's something that we have as an inheritance, but it's an inheritance that we need to grab, that we need to choose, that we need to take because this is the only way that's going to work. Everything else just doesn't work. And when we choose, when we choose to, to carry that burden, when we choose to be uncomfortable, and when we choose to be humble, it's the greatest thing ever. It's greater than anybody else. It's greater than anything else. It's greater than any other natural born talent. This is it. We have an opportunity every day, and especially on this coming Matzah Shabbos, Kabbalah Satayra, we will choose to learn, to receive, to accept the Torah upon ourselves. I want to bless you and I ask you to bless me, Hashem should help us, that we should indeed be able to recognize the incredible opportunity that the Torah affords us. We can choose to be first, to be counted first, to be humble to be uncomfortable, to carry that burden, because we know that it's the only way that works. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a wonderful Yontif. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.